All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 5, and today we're talking about new books released on June 9th, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Rebecca! We survived Hi. Book Expo America! We did, and we got to spend time together in yes. person, and it was yes. such a treat. There was cuddling, and hip-hop, and gin and tonics. We didn't have any pillow fights in no, our pajamas. Nothing like that. We have to save something yeah. for next time. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. <laughs> this was my favorite BEA yet. This was my favorite BEA, too. I don't know if it was because I didn't have to do as many, like, salesy sit-down meetings and so my meetings were more fun and talking to people about creative ideas or if it was that Javits felt less frantic it felt measurably less frantic to me in the Javits yeah, Center definitely this time around more controlled and a little more space yeah and it it was nice there were lots of great books I got uh, the new Alexander Chi, which doesn't come out until February, but that you have been so excited about you made a countdown <laughs> clock for it. Yes. <laughs> it's called The Queen of the Night. Uh, I'm really excited to read that. I picked up a new book by Lily Tuck, who I just love, called uh, The Double Life of Lillianne. And what else? Oh, I was going to pick up the new Aziz Ansari, but I didn't pick it up, and then it showed up in the mail. Bonus. So that was a nice serendipity of publishing thing did you have any I know we joked on the last episode about like weird author or funny embarrassing author moments did you have any no this time I around? was very well behaved I was I was very well behaved <laughs> I did um follow Jonathan Evison for a little while because you can you can recognize him mm -hmm. by that hat that he wears like there's no one else who has a hat like yep. that and he was on his phone and I was kind of like walking behind him I was like I'm gonna go up to him and be like hey you're really cool but then I chickened out and it was probably for the best um, you know, uh, let's see. I, I did that to Nancy Pearl in the coffee line a couple <laughs> of years ago. It was one of my first BEAs and I turned around and realized that Nancy Pearl was standing behind me and I like could not get up the nerve to talk to her. I think now I would, but then I was just, I think I just tweeted like, oh my God, I'm standing next to Nancy oh. Pearl. One time I was standing in line for coffee and I realized that Kevin Pollack was standing behind me and then I turned back around. <laughs> 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 all right <laughs> i did i got to meet adam johnson um and yeah oh you love his book i was book. very well behaved because i was super nervous i don't know why i get so nervous but when people make things that you know speak to me i get you know very nervous around them and uh the orphan master's son is just one of the best books so he has a book of short stories coming out uh in october i think maybe september mm. and i got to meet him and get a copy of that it was a huge score very excited Oh, that's exciting. I really wanted to get Dr. Ruth's new book. Uh, and it, I didn't make it to her signing because I was in a meeting then. But I heard the saddest story oh, no. afterwards that, um, yeah, that book expo. So her full name is Dr. Ruth Westheimer. But of course, everyone just knows her as Dr. Ruth. And like the publisher and book expo had planned for it to be this big signing, one of the ones where like you have to stand in line to right. get a ticket to be able to stand in the actual signing line. And they listed it, it in the program as like Westheimer, comma, Ruth. And no one knew who what? she was. And so they were like, yeah, one of our fellow rioters went by that area. Um, I think she was waiting for a different signing at the same time and was said that there were like four people in the Dr. That Ruth line. That is very sad. 
So I don't know whose job that was, but that's a bad, bad job. job, whoever you are. She's so tiny. As small as you imagine she is that so... she is, she's even tinier. Yeah, like I, I stood next to her at a previous BEA. Somehow she's yes. always there. Um, and I'm five feet tall, and I felt towering yeah. next to her. I, she's got to be like four she's foot awesome. seven. She's so cool. She is. There's so much awesome packed yeah. into that tiny lady. Um yeah, so that was my like missed opportunity of BEA. But for the most part, I thought it was a really good show. Um, we had a bunch of Book Riot contributors there, and everybody seemed to have a good time. Somebody even got one of the very limited number of new Jonathan Franzen galleys that they were giving out. Um, I finally met Daniel Jose Older in person. That was very exciting because I've loved his books and known him on so the cool. internet for, for a while. He was great. Uh, and let's see, we hosted... Book Riot sponsored the Book Rages Party, so we featured him and Megan Abbott and... Jamie um, Attenberg. Oh, and Jamie Attenberg and Christine Appleman. Hepperman. Appleman, Hepperman. Hepperman. Her book has yes, apple and poison apples. Book. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. We're just, we're just yeah. rambling and excited here. We should do our first sponsor, and then we'll talk about actual oh, new right. books. Uh, that's me. Ooh, that's me. It's uh, you. Okay. You're up. Today's first sponsor is Project Ed's Summer Reading Challenge. If you are an inventive person with a grasp on literature, you could win over $20,000 in cash prizes. Project Ed is calling on creators from all over in a new series of contests to create short videos that inspire students to read. You must reimagine a classic novel in a short video that showcases your style and skill. If you're not familiar with Project Ed, it is a crowdsourcing platform for fun and hilarious educational videos. They host open video contests that empower creators of all kinds to reimagine K-12 lessons in short videos. These contests cover topics across STEM, grammar, vocabulary, and more. Great videos win cash prizes and are used by teachers and students across the country. If you can create something with the power to teach, you could win. And you can learn more about it at www.projected.com. And today we're highlighting its first ever summer reading challenge. Project Ed is offering over twenty thousand dollars in cash prizes, as I already said. You gotta keep saying, "Say the money!" Dollar bills. Yeah, uh, it's offering it to creators who can create fun and unforgettable videos on popular books across genres like adventure, sci-fi, monsters and mysteries, and even young adult fiction. Participants will have their choice of creating book trailers, reenactments, or dramatic readings of well-known titles. So the contest is open now, cool. and it runs through July. And anyone over the age of thirteen in the U.S. or Canada can submit. So if you're interested in making one of these cool videos and helping kids learn, you can get all the details and enter at www.projected.com slash summer reading. Nice. You know, I had a project in high school that would have been perfect yeah? for this. We reenacted. So I this it must have been like 1998 or 1999 <laughs> um, at the height of Jerry Springer <laughs> popularity. We reenacted or not even reenacted. We adapted the Scarlet Letter into a Jerry Springer episode in my English class. This is going to turn up on YouTube later, isn't it? <laughs> I'm really this is one of the million reasons that I'm glad the internet didn't really exist yet when I it's was gonna a teenager. Show up when you're I don't think music. anyone but yes, but you can imagine like the Scarlet Letter is one of those prototypical who's the daddy oh, yeah. story. Yeah, that works out <laughs> And Jerry really Springer well. loves that. You could do something like that for Project Ed and you could win 20 grand yeah. for doing it. it, it 
Yeah, now Very cool. kids probably have no idea who Jerry Springer is. It's that sad. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Google just Jerry Google Springer. it and go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> we are about all kinds of well-rounded education yeah. here on all the books. Can I just tell you how happy I am to be in my new office? Tell me oh, about your so office. Cool. So I was upstairs. I had the whole upstairs to myself. But it's like 50,000 degrees up there when it gets warm and the AC was just not cutting it. And also, I know this is hard to believe, but it was uh, being overrun by books. <laughs> I was running out of <laughs> Imagine that. And set them and all this stuff. So um, we turned the spare bedroom into an office, and it's really exciting. And I got my first ever desk. Um, I've never – I was sitting, like, at a bookcase before, like a low bookcase, and just kind of had my laptop in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I got to pick out a desk, and we bought it, and we put it in. And the other night, I was sitting at my desk, my first night, all proud, and – I fell asleep reading, and I woke up when my head hit the top of the desk. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, all right, first night with the desk, and I have a concussion. Um, but I do love it down here, and it's a lot cooler. You can probably almost hear the cats sticking their paws under the door. They're like, let us in. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, I'm so glad you have a new yes. layer. Yes, it's it's really a layer. So. It's lower, and it's cooler. So... And I'm just going to imagine you, like, sitting in the dark wearing a cape while we do the rest of our show. Yeah. There, there's, a little, there's also awesome. um, a little woodchuck outside the window right now, right here, that I'm checking out. Oh, little friend. He's my familiar. <laughs> nice. Well, I guess we should talk about books. Books! Huh? Yes. Um, You're up first. Yes. So, in something totally not related to anything that we have talked about yet today, um, the first book that I chose is not for the faint of heart. It's highly disturbing. It's called Pat the Bunny. No, just kidding. It's called <laughs> A Perfect Crime by A.E. And uh, it is for individuals out there like myself who enjoy being disturbed now and then. Because as I might have mentioned twice now, it's kind of disturbing. Uh, it's the story of a seemingly normal high school student in China. And he's really bored. He's really bored. So he decides he's going to murder one of his classmates. Well, he's going to pick someone to murder, and he decides to murder one of his classmates. Whoa. Um, like you do. You know. what? What's on the list like, of is things he picking, to do today? Is he just, like, picking at random? Or yeah. Is there, okay. He's decided wow. he's going to carry out this murder, and he's, you know, he's looking at certain people and decides that his classmate is perfect. So he murders her. He strangles her and hides her in a washing machine, and then he flees town. Holy crap! Yeah. I told you it's really disturbing! And so... And now it turns into, like, this sort of um, suspenseful thriller. Like, he flees town, and he's worried about getting caught originally. But then it kind of turns into this idea of delight. Like, he's really excited about the idea of getting caught. So much so that he kind of, like, toys with the police until he just decides, like, I'm going to surrender. And then, you know, let them talk to me. And no one will ever be able to figure me out or my motives. Or, you know, I'm just, like, this unknowable evil being i mean he's really messed up it's really messed up and it's told from his point of view um so you know he surrenders to the police and then it's just it's just this taut psychological thriller um it kind of delves into classic horror and suspense it reminded me a bit of rope the movie by alfred hitchcock did you ever see that I did Based on the Leopold and Loeb murders. It's just like these guys that have like zero emotions or feelings and they decide to, to murder someone. Um, it reminded me a bit of that. But uh, Yi himself was a police officer before he quit to become a writer. And it really pays off, like you can tell in the details. And he does a really great job offering this alarming look at the mind of a killer. Um, and I just want to quickly mention, because it kind of reminded me of this other book, have you ever read uh, People Who Eat Darkness? 
Have you no, ever, have you but heard of that? that title is so appealing. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a nonfiction book. It um, is the true story of this man in Tokyo who uh, murdered these women and just was like completely just in like unremorseful, super creepy. Uh, but I would definitely say if if you like true crime, People Who Eat Darkness is one of the greatest books there is. I mean, it's so upsetting and scary and amazing. Um, it was really interesting. Like you got a good look at like the uh, Japan's police force. Did you know that they like have a, like a little mascot and they like give people hugs and what? Like, it's like completely different than here. They're like friendly. <laughs> so not that they're not friendly here, but well, you know. <laughs> you know um, anyway, I loved that book and I really enjoyed A Perfect Crime by A. Yee. Awesome. Uh, my first book is much happier and about a concept. <laughs> A concept that is near and dear to both of our hearts. It's called Red, A History of the Redhead by Jackie Collis Harvey. Uh, It's about red hair and redheadedness from prehistory up through today. And this is a beautiful book. Like the book is beautifully designed. It has a gorgeous cover. It has deckled edges. The publisher really put a lot of work into this. And it's about gingers. It's great. Uh, And it's packed with information, but also social commentary and the author's own experiences being a redhead in the world. Um, Only 2% of the population worldwide is redheaded. And that goes up and down a little bit in different geographic locations. And she delves into that and sort of what the like, what the, like the evolutionary history is and the way that people migrated from different points um, had to how what blah, blah, what that had to do with how red hair spread through different parts of the world. But she also looks at like sort of what culture, especially American and um, Western European cultures say about people who have red hair. Um, she writes about, you know, realizing at as at a young age as a redheaded person that people expected her to like have a fiery temper but she could also get away with like screwball comedy type behavior kind of you know like the Lucille Ball thing um I know that I get away with stuff when people are like oh she's just a little crazy she's a redhead um and so it's interesting to read someone really put theory behind it she looks at the very gendered attitudes that we have about red hair. Redheaded women are perceived very differently um, from redheaded men and are presented very differently in culture. And now here is a sad statistic for you. Redheaded women are supposedly the least desired by men, at least according to surveys of college students. Which is like, that's a sad trombone for us, but... I'm okay with it. I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I'm actually like, uh, yeah, I'm old. And I, we're, we're old. We don't care what the men in college <laughs> think. But I'm it's fine. really interesting. Like, it's an interesting contrast because of how often women with red hair appear eroticized in stories. And like, I read a lot a of huge romance. contrast. Yeah, I read a ton of romance novels and a way higher percentage than 2% of romance heroines have red hair. Yeah. Um, And like there's that Joan on Mad Men thing, like redheaded women get this sort of like voluptuous, sexy presentation in pop culture. Yeah. And apparently Mary Magdalene is often depicted as having been a redhead in biblical art. Yeah. And look at the differences in those descriptions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so it really, it's fascinating uh it and it goes well beyond the old saw about how gingers have no soul um 
to really look at what, how people end up with red hair, the genetics, the science, but also um, social and cultural history of like the idea of redheadedness. I guess like the social construction of redheadedness and what we think about redheads. I thought it was really fantastic. I've always been fascinated by the fact that redheads are treated as almost a separate species. You know, like there, mm-hmm. there's just so many different things about a person who has red hair, like... Um, you know, they're more likely to have asthma and have hay fever and they're, you know, more likely to require a lot more anesthetic. And it's just all those facts just about having red hair is Yeah, the way it ties up with all the other genetic stuff, like redheads sort of notoriously have higher pain tolerances. And I know like the last couple of times I've gotten tattoos, the tattoo artist has said something about that. Um, Yeah, and you and I were talking at BEA about experiences with anesthetic like I had I had dental work done recently and I was like I have cocktails in a couple hours is my mouth gonna not be numb anymore and he was like oh you're a redhead it'll wear off in like an hour you'll be fine yeah I woke up twice when I was getting my wisdom teeth out and the dentist was like seriously (laughs) that is a nightmare story yeah oh boy but that is oh that's science Mm mm-hmm I find you to be delightful and desirable, Miss Liberty. I feel the uh, same way about you. Well, that's good. That is Red, A History of the Redhead by Jackie Collis Harvey. What's up next for you? I'm still um, trying to shake off like my whole BEA traveling you know, schedule. And so I'm, I'm a little behind. So I'm going to do something today that I don't normally do. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to recommend a book that I haven't read. <gasps> I know, I know. I felt so You can wear our nice. t-shirt. You can wear the t-shirt we invented last week. <laughs> I, I have it, but I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But I have heard so many amazing things about it. So many of my friends have been like, please tell me that you've read this. And, and I've been reading, and then I just, I ran out of time. We can blame Jeff. It was Jeff's fault. I was going to read it this morning, and instead he asked me to be on his podcast, so... It's Jeff's oh, fault. Oh, yes, which means that if you are listening to this and you want to know much more about Liberty, you can watch for the Reading Lives podcast to drop at Book Riot in the next week or two and hear an hour about her reading life and how she became amazing. And if you read this book that I'm about to tell you about and you don't like it, that's also Jeff's fault. So, um, but <laughs> Hashtag blame Jeff. <laughs> yes, blame Jeff. Um, so the book I'm going to tell you about is called The Sunken Cathedral by Kate Walbert. She wrote a book a few years ago called The Short History of Women, which was shortlisted for the National Book Award. Um, Pretty much everything that she has ever written has either won something or been nominated for an award. She puts out a novel every few years, and it just gets great acclaim. Um, But that right there gives me a good feeling about this one, you know. Um, And I was reading Mm -hmm. about it. It's about two octogenarians who live in Manhattan. Uh, they were in World War II over in Europe, and after surviving, they came to New York City, and they're now both widows who live in Chelsea. Um, they're taking art classes in an illegal squat from a man <laughs> named Sid, and apparently he manages to spark both their interests. And there's also another woman, an art historian, who's taking the class with Sid, and then there's Elizabeth, who is... Uh, one of the women's upstairs tenants and she is having problems in her own life with her husband and her teenage son and from everything that I've heard it's this wonderful look at friendship and marriage and love as well as a glimpse into the changing climate and landscape of New York City everything Interesting. everything I've read about the book uh I was scrolling through Goodreads and everyone was like this is especially great for New Yorkers like if you're a New Yorker you know or you love the city this is the book for you that sounds awesome. And we don't really get many stories about older people. No. 
these days. So that's cool too. Yeah. Love in uh, your eighties. Nice. I like that. Uh, my next pick is a paperback release of one of my favorite books of last year, The Magician's Land by Lev Grossman. It's the final installment in his Magician's Trilogy. The first was The Magicians, and the second was The Magician King. And it's a story, this whole trilogy is about a group of young adults who, on their way to their college interviews, are recruited away instead to a college for wizards. And so they discover that they are wizards and they take classes to learn different kinds of wizard skills. And each of them has a different strength. And so you get like divided out in groups in the school according to what your particular kind of skills uh, are. The main character, Quentin, has been obsessed with uh, this children's book series that's essentially like an analog to the Narnia series. And in the first book, we find out that the series is not fiction. The, the world actually exists and Quentin can go there and he and his friends can participate in that world and can kind of be royalty in it the way that the um, Pevensey kids in the Narnia books are. So we're picking up. This is the, the third installment. You definitely need to have read the first two. Uh, so this is a reminder. Or if you're looking for a series to read over the summer, I highly recommend this uh, this trilogy. The Magician's Land has this wonderful opening scene in a bookstore that has some wonderful lines about loving books and spending time in bookstores. And I just love it when authors do that. Like they know that the people reading their books love books and they just throw you a little bone of like, look, see, I'm a book person too. <laughs> and it's great. Uh, it revisits some of the you know favorite characters and beloved places from the first two books. Um, one of my very favorite things in this series is the visit to Breakbill South, which is the Antarctica location of the school uh, and if you've read the first book you know what happens at break bill south and there's a really amazing step up uh, from that in this book and i think it's really unusual with a trilogy for each book to be better than the last like typically or at least in my experience the first book in a trilogy is really great the middle book gets like middle book syndrome and is just fine and it has to be there to move things along and then the ending happens and can be good or can be bad. But I thought every book in uh, Lev Grossman's series got better. And so the trilogy ends on a really strong, wonderful note. Um, it's often pitched as like Harry Potter plus sex and drugs. Um, <laughs> I uh, I can kind of see that, but it, Lev has done this whole new thing. Um, this whole trilogy is really a love letter to fantasy stories. And if you are a long time fantasy reader, you'll pick up a lot of little winking references to not just Harry Potter and Narnia, but um, other inside jokes from, you know, some of the deeper cuts of science fiction and fantasy. It's just, it's a really uh, great series. And again, I think a perfect thing to read over the summer, you could easily read all three if you got hooked. So that's The Magician's Land by Lev Grossman. And it's going to be a TV series. Oh, right. That's right. It's going to be on the sci-fi channel. I think starting next year. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing how that works. I see that we, I took up a lot of time telling you about my fabulous <laughs> desk. So I'm just going to quickly mention um, another book that's coming out. And uh, it's coming out in paperback. Actually, uh, today it, there are three books out in paperback that were my favorites of last year. Uh, the Girls of Corona Del Mar by Rufy Thorpe. Love Me Back by Merit Tierce. And A Girl is a Half-Form Thing by Amir McBride. Those books are amazing. I'm going to tell you a tiny bit about The Girls of Corona Del Mar because I feel like it's the one that didn't get enough attention or mm. it got the least amount of attention. All these deserve more attention. Um, it's a, another story about female friendships. It's about Laurie Ann and Mia who are high school besties. 
Lorianne is the perfect, gorgeous one. She's really smart and driven, and she has a, a very rich family. And Mia is the troubled one. She has a troubled home life, and uh, there's a teen pregnancy. Um, they're both 15 at this time. But then something tragic happens, and Lorianne is the one who is set adrift, and nothing that Mia does seems to help. Um, and Lorianne becomes the extremely troubled one. Uh, and then you fast forward several years, and Lorianne has had a baby. She's lost her husband in Iraq, and she has a serious drug problem. Mia has straightened herself out and has gone to Yale, but she can't help feel like she's left her friend behind, so she goes to visit her. Um, and things are not exactly as they s seemed in their relationship before, and also she's not able to help her like she really wants to. Um, it's, a, it's a really incisive look into friendship and how... Um, how it is to finally see the flaws in someone that you held in such high esteem, as well as mm. how mean women can be to one another. Anyway, I loved, loved, lavished it. It's The Girls of Corona Del Mar by Rufy Thorpe. Now nice. you. Now me. So before I do my last pick, um, I want to tell you about our next sponsor this week, which is actually a Book Riot project and one that I put together. So I'm really excited about it. Um, for the summer, we know that everybody's always looking for good stuff to read while you're traveling or you're lying by the pool or you're waiting during your kid's swim team practice or whatever. Um, so I put together a box of some of Book Riot's favorite books of the last couple years that I think are especially great for reading in the summer. Um, full disclosure, they are not fluffy, quote unquote, beach reads. There is real substance to these books and a lot of variety. Um, so no guarantees about will it or won't it have a genre that you like or don't like. Uh, but you can visit the Book Riot store. If you didn't know, we have a store, uh, store.bookriot.com to get our summer reading box. There are four books and then three three surprise items from the Book Riot store as well. Um, everybody who purchases it gets the same items. We're trying our best to keep them under wraps. And I only made 200 of these. We've sold uh, about half of them. Actually, by the time you hear this show, we will have sold more than half of them. So if this sounds like fun to you, if you like the variety that you hear on this podcast and in Liberty's new books newsletter, which uh, we'll tell you more about at the end of the show, Go to store.bookriot.com and pick up your summer reading box today. It's 100 bucks, and there is about $120 worth of stuff in the box, so a really good value. Okay, so my last pick this week, um, and I'm behind on my reading too, so I'm glad that we're each just doing three, uh, is Something Must Be Done About Prince Edward County by Kristen Green. Uh, Kristen is, if you don't know, Prince Edward County is near Richmond. It's in central Virginia. Um, Kristen is a writer from this area. I, I know her from our local uh, writers group. So, you know, take that as a disclaimer or any grains of salt if you need to. Um, so Prince Edward County is not far from where I live. That made it especially interesting to me. But this is a really important and little known piece of our history. Um, after Brown versus the Board of Education was passed, um, that was the court case that mandated that schools must integrate and that white schools must allow in black students. The community in Prince Edward County, Virginia, refused to integrate. Um, and what they did instead was close all the public schools, and then the white people in the town established a private school just for white students. Lovely. While the yeah. I never knew this story no. um, while the black families were scrambling to find a way to educate their children since the white community closed the public schools. They stayed closed for five years. That's crazy. Isn't it? It's bonkers. I don't know how we like, how do we not know this story? Um, so this is a little known piece of history about what happened after 
Brown versus the Board of Education, what happened in those five years that the schools were closed, how it eventually got resolved because Prince Edward County now does have integrated schools and has for a while. And Kristen Green grew up there. So she's exploring this piece of history that happened in her hometown that's just one small element of the much larger movement towards civil rights um, and racial progress in America, but also her family's, she, she digs up her family's involvement in the closing of the school and the refusal to integrate and not all of the things that she discovers are flattering or lovely or happy. It's very complex and difficult. Um, some difficult things that she has to reconcile about um, older generations of her family and what they participated in, um, you know, during that time in our culture. It was for me a really, it, it, it's a very good book. It's thoroughly researched. And it was a really stark reminder about how, how very recent um, any kind of progress toward racial equality really is and how many stories like this there must be all over the country that we just don't know um, that Brown versus the Board of Education was this landmark court case that really did create change but it wasn't sweeping and it wasn't immediate and there was a lot of backlash and um, it also gave me good pause to continue thinking about how much further we have to go and what's what's tied up in trying to create a good education system that provides opportunities for for children no matter their color or their socioeconomic background it was man what a surprising story i'm gonna put that on my list yeah that sounds great it's great and really proud to have that come from a, a great local author kudos to Kristen for it so that's my last pick of the week what are you gonna <gasps> what are you gonna I, read can i Go. tell you one thing yeah, yeah. Um, so a few weeks ago, you talked about The Grace Keepers by Kirstie Logan and yeah. Christy Logan. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to tell you that I read it and it's oh, awesome. Good. It is oh. indeed fantastic. Um, That's great. And now uh, I'm going to, I'm so excited about this. I'm uh, starting The Witches, Salem 1692 Ooh. by Stacey Schiff. It's, mm-hmm. She was the author of the Cleopatra biography. And this is her look into the Salem witch trials, which are very uh close to me because my my grandmother seven grades back was one of the Salem witches and I've just been endlessly fascinated you know I read everything on it that mm-hmm. I can because it's just such a strange horrifying serious interesting you know part of history that's awesome and what I do love. you have I am going to read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell <gasps> finally <Whoa. laughs> Ambitious. Yeah, the uh, the BBC series premieres in the U.S. on June 13th. I think it's a mini series that was made of yeah. it. Um, and I also think it's already out in the U.K., so I'm trying to avoid spoilers. But I've been meaning to read it for years, and it often comes up when people talk about loving the Night Circus and wanting to read something else that feels similar. Uh, so it's like 800 pages, and I'm going to try to finish it by June 13th and also keep reading the other things that I need to read so I can tell myself I'm sort of keeping up with you. <laughs> but um, that's where that's where I'm headed after this is to curl up with Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Nice. 
So that is our show this week. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Project Ed. You can go to projected.com slash summer reading if you want to check out what they're working on over there. If you want to submit a video, maybe you want to win 20 grand for making the Jerry Springer version of the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> uh, you can have my idea. I will share that with you. Uh, if you want the Book Riot Summer Reading Box, go to store.bookriot.com and you can snag it there. Quantities are limited. Uh, drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you have thoughts, questions, whatever. Uh, you can find Liberty on Twitter at Miss Liberty and I am at Rebecca Shinsky, S C H I N S K Y. If you like the show, and you have a few minutes, you want to do us a favor, please rate or review it on iTunes. It gives us useful feedback and it helps other people who are looking to learn about all the books to find the show. Um, and thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have rated and reviewed Big, it so far. You. We are just so excited about uh, getting to work on this and about how well it's been received so far. Yes. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we have run out of time. We have really run out of time today. <laughs> uh, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com. Uh, you can find us under the podcast categories. And you can also find the link to our weekly new books newsletter that I write. Uh, I try to talk about different books in the newsletter so you're not double dipping. And, yeah, that's it for today. Happy reading. Happy reading.